Right now, let's pray together. Let's speak to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunities to be together tonight. And Lord, we, we, really, we pray that you might really just minister to each of our lives as we've come here, that we might hear something that might be helpful to us in one way or another. And so we pray that we might be just open to hear what your spirit wants to say to us. That was the message to these churches. They, you called to them to hear and to listen, to take note of the message you had for them. And we pray that tonight we might also have hear the message you've got for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in 2012 on the sun, and Sunday nights, I can remember coming along to a number of Sunday nights and hearing sermons on the, the seven different churches. I think Tom gave one, Daniel gave one, uh, Pastor Alvin gave one. I don't know who else. I, there's three names I can remember. Uh, there, and there were seven pe different people uh, took, the, took, a, took a, a turn in going through the, the seven churches. And so we're, we're looking at these whole lot of seven churches in one go tonight. So that's the, that's the goal, to go through. And so really what, you know, we, what we've read in that passage, as, we, as Tom read for us, it was just the, the way in which these letters came about to be written, you know, how they came to be written, not the actual content of the letters. And uh, you know, so what we find is that you know, this passage has given us a bit of an explanation about it. It says us that write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. Verse 19, Write there for what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. And it tells us that the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. You know, all of these churches were sort of located in a sort of a circular, along one particular road. And there's a, a statement I've got there by, one, by uh, Sir William Ramsey, a so-called famous archaeologist. Uh, m many of you may not have heard of him, but those older people may have seen some of his uh, books around many, many years ago. It says, all these churches were located on the great circular road which bound together the most populous, wealthy and influential part of the province. And because this is the, the West Central region. And that's you know, the flowery way he says it. And he's got a use of words there, but he's, that's what he's trying to say. It's all it's on, on a circuit. And so the order in which, the, in which the, the list that they come up is not because of any special significance as far as order of importance. It's simply the, the order in which they, the people, as they, as they went along and as they went from one spot to another spot to another spot, they, 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 they delivered the, the, the messages, they delivered the, the letters to these particular churches. And so uh, what we find is that these churches really are an outline of, in many ways, if you see, there's all sorts of problems there. They're probably, if you go through it, it's probably a picture of most of the issues that Christians would face. And uh, some people have said, of looking at this, and one of the, in the old sort of, a lot of the old commentators say, and, and who have a particular uh, bias about a particular prophetic way of looking things, say that these seven churches from Ephesus through to Laodicea are an illustration of the, of the church, the history of the church from the beginning, and we are now in the Laodicean period. And they say that's, you know, that's, the, that's, that's what they go through at great length to try and substantiate that. There is some truth in that, but really I think it's a little bit, you know, it was pushing and stretching it a bit in my opinion, uh, but some people still firmly believe that and that's okay if, you know, if they want to believe that. But, you know, that's a way of looking at it. But see, the message you know, was sent to, to these, these seven churches and one of the things we find is that uh, the, uh, some people look at the, the meaning of the, the different names of the different uh, places like Ephesus and, 
and Smyrna and Pergamum and something. I made a note of them. I'm not going to go through and, and read out all the meanings of all their names, but uh, and uh, they try and link that to the you know to the message that was given. But one of the things is we know that the angel with was, that's mentioned here is you know is, is the to the se- angels of the seven churches. We're not sure what that really means. The word angel is the word angelos, which simply means messenger. Some people say it may have been the leader or the, the pastor of the church, but it seems at this stage of the church they didn't have formal one pastor or one leader in most of the churches. It seems at that stage of, in church history it was a, a, a corporate leadership, so it's pretty hard to argue strongly for that, but really we don't, in, in essence, we really don't know. All we know is that the people that are were involved in this whole process would have understood what it meant and even though we may not fully understand. You know, there were seven lampstands and then sometimes in the, in, in the Old Testament in the tabernacle they had this, the sevenfold got land, land, candlestick that sort of one, went up with one branch and had seven lights on it. This is seven separate lampstands. They were seven individual lampstands that stood in, on the, you know, in one place on their own. So that was meant to, to represent the church. And uh, each church, I believe, would be in, is, is spoken to here and they're being held responsible and answerable to the Lord for the way in which they were living and the way in which they were behaving. Uh, Leon Morris made a, a statement. He said this, It is worth noting that the churches are no more than lampstands. The light is Christ and they are to show him forth. Isn't that what the Lord said to his disciples? That Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so he's saying, this is the sort of picture. These, these churches are these lampstands and the light is Christ. To show their light and to be, meant to glorify God in the way that they were living. And so as uh, John is uh, being spoken to and as he's under guiding by, by the Holy Spirit, he's, he's putting together the, these letters now, one of the things that you'll find, many of us use uh, templates, don't we, for different sorts of things. And uh, I can remember many years ago, I was working for a company where I was responsible for all the money that came in. And uh, sometimes people were a bit slow on paying their bills. And so we had a, st- a series of letters, like standard letters that you'd send for somebody, if somebody was just a week overdue with their, their, their account, there was a nice sort of friendly letter that was sent. And then, there's, and then about a couple of weeks later, there's a letter that was a bit sort of, bit firmer. And then uh, in, about when, it was, when the people were over a month overdue with their accounts, there was a pretty, you know, almost rude letter that was sent out. And it was a standard letter. In those days, you didn't have computers. And so the, the, sec, the, the girl in the office, would ha- I'd give her the list and she would say, number one letter for this one, a number two letter for this, a number three letter for this one, a number four letter for this one. Now, in, in the same way, in a similar way, John seems to follow a pattern. Now, there are various ways that this has been put together. I've, put, I've worked out my sort of template that I'm going to be referring to tonight in talking about the letters that were sent out. First of all, there was a greeting. The second thing, there was a way in which the Lord, a revelation of the Lord Jesus, the way he was presented to them. Then there was praise and or criticism to the, to the, of the church. Then there was a warning and a call to action and finally was an exhortation and a promise. And so I'm going to skip through and, and use that sort of as a, a rough outline and talk about the, the seven churches under those different headings rather than try and go through the one church after another. I'm going to look at it this way. And so for, the first thing is the greeting. 
And the greeting is the angel of the church in, and then the name of the place, Ephesus, Smyrna and so on, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. And so here, you know, that was the, the Greek angel of the church. That was the greeting. That was the start of it. And the second thing was that they, then it went on. And of course, these, some of these letters are written to churches who are, the church is doing really well. There are two churches that aren't criticised, where it's all positive. And that's Smyrna and that's Philadelphia. And so they were ones where, and you'll find when the Lord, when it talks about uh, the Lord, when he's, the way in which the Lord's revealed and it goes back and, and there's sort of quotations from the vision that, was, that we read about in chapter 1, plus a few other scriptures that are referred to, it's giving a, a picture of the Lord. And they, it's interesting, the, the two churches that are, where things are, po- where things are very positive, the, the Smyrna one, the church that's being persecuted, and Philadelphia, the church that's uh, about brotherly love and the one that has a real mission and reaching out and doing all that God has called it to, it talks about the Lord, him who is in Philadelphia, him who is holy. Or in Smyrna, him who is the first and the last. And uh, the others, it's slightly, there's it's a difference. And so he's introducing himself, he's, he's, he's tailoring what he's wanting to say to, to suit the message that he's bringing to these churches. In the same way that God is a personal God who speaks to people, who speaks to churches, who speaks to groups, who speaks to individuals. And is a God who can be speaking to you and can bring bringing things to you and, and making himself known to you. Also at the same time, the one of the main th- ways that he speaks to us is through his word. And so it's important that we give a give that a high priority in our life, that we spend time taking the word and reading it and listening to him and, and hearing what he has to say. Sometimes he speaks to other individuals. Sometimes he speaks when, you, when people are gathered together in a group and are praying and asking God for direction. He speaks to him in that way. And so here these churches, each of them, the Lord is revealing himself very specifically to these churches in a particular way because he's got something very special to say to each of them. One of the things also, he, as he goes on he, with the praise and the point, the third point is that with the praise or the criticism. Now, some of the, yeah, some of the, in some cases, there's also there's a praise and a criticism. The very first one he talks about, I know your deeds and your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked. And he goes on and talks about how they're doing good things and how they're, they're able to identify those who are orthodox and are correct in their doctrine. But he also goes on and says, but I have this against you that you've forsaken your first love. And so that's the, the very first one. Goes to the second one, the one that's being, the, where, that's, uh, being persecuted. He's, he, tells, he, he lets them know that he understands what they're going through. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know that you, the slander of those who say they are Jews that are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. He lets them know that he, is, he knows exactly where they're at. And doesn't God know everything that's going on in your life and my life. And then if you go on to the Pergamos, Pergamum and Thyatira and Sardis, we find that he's, he's telling them something. Yes, I, there's sort of like a mixture of there's a, the positives and also the negatives again, the same as there is at, at Ephesus. And see, God who looks at your life knows the areas where you're going well. He knows the areas where you're really 
on top of things, but he also knows the way, the areas where you're disobedient. He knows everything about your life and my life. He knows everything about the life of this church at Sunnybank. He knows the li- what's going on in every church around the world. And the same way that he knew what was going on in these seven churches and he knew what was happening. And so he, he goes on and he, he, he's, he's still letting them know that he knows everything about what's going on and, he's, he, and particularly the, the ones where they're going well in Philadelphia and is one where, which where we gives another one where there's only praise, the one of, of Smyrna and Philadelphia, but the others there's a, a mixture of, of praise. But when he comes to the very last one, he says, I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot, and I wish that you're either one or the other. Because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich and I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. He doesn't have anything good to say for this church. Sure, there are individuals in this church that were going okay, but overall, as far as the church was concerned, he didn't have anything good to say for them. And so there was the mixture. Two that he was positive about in every way. One, one, the rest of them were, except one, a mixture of good and bad and so he's saying hey guys i know where you're up to i'm wanting you now to to to, to turn and to and turn back to me and let me allow me to have that that rightful place in my in in your lives and so we find the word repent repent therefore repent therefore and goes on and he tells them you know and he, he, he lets them know that, you know, get back and turn back to me. Allow me to be in that rightful place in your lives. That's, and he, he addresses it and talks about the very issues that were going on. He, he, he let them know that he understands and knows all of the things where they're, where they're going well and where they're struggling. But also, he's calling, them to, he's calling for action. When God's involved in our life, it's not just, Christianity is not just a, a, a life of, of knowing about God. We've just gone through John's epistle, first epistle. And there's a word that you might know. Gnosko is the word for know. And there's another word, oida, to know. And the word that he uses mostly in John's epistle is the word to know in experience. That's what the Christian life's about, isn't it? It's not just knowing about it. There's another word just to, we can have intellectual knowledge. The Christian life is about knowing God and having God in our life and having him at work in our life and, and, and knowing that he makes a change in our life and it, it, it comes up with action. It's not just something just to, to know about intellectually. It's, it's, to put, it's where things are put into practice. And so that's what he's calling these churches to, to move ahead and to, to act on and to do what he's calling them to do. And, and he addresses a message specifically for the needs of those particular churches. And then he goes on with a, a final sort of exhortation at the end, along with a promise. And he uses the words, he who has an ear, let him hear. And in the first few of those, these, he first uh, ones in Ephesus and Smyrna and in Pergamum he, he uses that word first and then he goes on and then he gives the promise and in the other four he, other, other four he goes and he gives the the promise first to him who overcomes and to do my will and so on and he goes on and says certain things that he'll do for them 
And then he finishes off, he that has an ear, let him hear. So he doesn't, he doesn't sort of stick to a, a regular pattern. But he's letting them know that they need to hear what he has to say. But he's also exhorting them in saying, yes, he who overcomes, I will do something. It's not just, I just leave you on your own. If you obey me, there's going to be blessing for this. There's going to be a consequence and it's going to be blessing. Even to the, church, the very last one that he couldn't say anything good for, the one at Laodicea, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down at my father's throne. And so even though the, there's one church that he couldn't even say anything good for, he's recognising that there are people in that church who could possibly respond and turn to him and, and follow him and be uh, submissive to his lordship. And so he, it's, 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 God the Holy Spirit is sending this message to these churches. And so here this follows this, this general pattern, the greeting, the revelation of Christ, the praise or criticism, the warning call to action and the exhortation. So he's got this little pattern of way, way he's saying things. And so I just thought I might just finish off with some, just some personal observations of things that I've seen in these, these seven messages, that are these seven churches. One of the things is, true, is that each of the towns had a, a significant history and a lot of history and a lot of background about these towns. And, you, and as you look at the, the messages tailored and fits in and all the imagery that's used fits in with the, 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 the actual town itself. The last one, the, the town where it talks about being lukewarm and I'm going to, to spit you out of my mouth or you know, and make you throw up, that was, that was their town. They had, and they had a water supply that when it got there, they didn't have water close by and it used to come in and it was, and it was warm when it arrived and it, if they drank it straight away, it would make them sick. So they understood what he was used. So the Lord used illustrations that, that were really pertinent to them and their, their position and the, the sort of town that that was. And so the, each of these towns had these, these significant factors about it in the history. And if you go through the books, you'll, the, each of these, these letters, you'll find there's lots of things that connect with that. Also, there were quite many references to the Old Testament. And it refers to a fellow called Balaam and to Jezebel. It also talks about idolatry and immorality. And these two things go together. You know, they, whether there's, often where there's uh, idolatry, there's demonic activity and, and uh, immorality seem to be there. And one of, the, one, of the, uh, one of the messages he quotes from Psalm chapter 2, and so also another, in the, in the, illustra, in the, 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 the actual, when it talks about the revelation of the Lord, it goes and re, refers to passages in Isaiah. And so there's a strong connection there back to the, to the Old Testament. And uh, that whole vision, as we found, heard last week, was a actual lot of the quotes from parts of the, the Old Testament, pictures from the Old Testament. So there was this strong connection with the Old Testament. One of the other things is there's a strong reference to spiritual warfare and struggle in chapter 2 verse 9 it talks about the synagogue of satan and then it says the devil will put some of you in prison in in 2:13 it talks about where satan's throne is you know where satan has revealed the so-called deep secrets and it talks also about the synagogue of satan and so there's this whole lot of reference to, to the whole thing of, of spiritual warfare and battle because they were involved in a spiritual warfare, the same as we today 
don't just bat- as, as Paul wrote, we don't battle against flesh and blood, blood flesh and blood. We, we, we battle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And so we also are involved in a spiritual battle. All Christians are involved. And he, these people knew they were in a spiritual battle, and so he made significant reference to that. It seems to me that Satan seemed to have a stronghold in this particular area. In this particular place where these seven churches were. Over in the book of Daniel it talks about how that when it says in in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. Then he said unto me, fear not Daniel, from the first day that thou didst send send thy heart to understand and to humble yourself before thy God. Thy words were heard and I came... I came not for the word's sake, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. And so it talks about this spiritual, this, this prince of Persia, this demonic force who had, this, had control in this geographical area. And there's some people would say that we need to, sometimes need to be aware of the, the principalities and powers about the, the satanic forces that sometimes that affect particular geographical areas. And it seems as though this area was one that was under specific satanic attack. And so they, 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 this whole thing is there's a lot of reference made to this. And we need to be also asking God sometimes, is, are we under a satanic attack? Is, is, the, is the, the evil one at work here? We need to be making sure that we are make, uh, really putting on the whole armour of God and standing against the, the works of the evil one. And so that's what they, these people were, were being told in, in a roundabout way. There was reference made to this. But the strongest criticism appears to be levelled at the church that had forgotten God, the complacent church, the church where they had everything, the church that was materially materially wealthy, but the church that was just lukewarm, the church that had forgotten God. And one of the things is, you know, the Lord hadn't given up on any of these churches, even the one where... They seem to have forgotten about God. And he comes to each of them and he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It was addressed to every congregation. The same thing I'd say to you tonight. It doesn't matter how far you've moved away from God. It's never so far away that God can't bring you back individually. Even as a, if a church moves, even if a church moves away and is not fulfilling God's plans and God's purposes, God can always bring it back. Because He says, "Here am I. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. To him that overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down at my father, father's throne." He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here he's calling this church to repent. He's calling them to turn back. And doesn't matter how far we've got away from God, God, we can always come back. And he's calling this church to come back. He's saying, I'm, you've pushed me out. I'm not even included. I'm outside the church. I want to get back in. Let me back in. That's what he's saying to this church. As he might be saying that to <coughs> groups of people today. The churches today might be saying it to individuals. The Lord's standing outside the door and he's knocking at the door. You know something, something interesting? 
There's an old saying is that God's knocking on the door, but the handle is on the inside. And we've got to open it. And the Lord is calling this church to respond to him. And the result could be enjoying great fellowship with him. And so these are, the, these are just a few things from just a quick overview of these churches, the seven churches. The seven churches, five of which were, not, were, were a mixture of good and bad. One that was, well, four that were a mixture of good and bad and not really hearing the Lord completely. One that was totally not listening and two that were in tune with him. I don't know where we stand individually, each of us here, but we need to be making sure that we're responding to the Lord. We're not pushing the Lord and he's not outside knocking and want to come and get into it and control our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you're a great God. We thank you that we can come to you and know that you're a God of grace and mercy, a God of forgiveness, a God of second chances, a God that can bring us back and a God who restores and rebuilds and renews. And we pray that you'll help each of us to know what it is to walk with you. And if we've slipped away, to, to invite you back in and allow you to be controlling the, the very inner being of our, our lives. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.